So our scripture passage this morning um, comes from, uh, again, the book of Proverbs. Our entire series is going to be drawing from Proverbs. uh, Chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths, and he will keep your way straight. Don't consider yourself wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then your body will be healthy and your bones strengthened. May God bless our understanding of this reading from Scripture. Please pray with me. God, open our hearts, open the eyes of our hearts, because we do want to see you. We do want to see you. We need to see you. So help us to see you this morning. Help us to get out of our own way, to silence the voices in our heads and minds that distract us from this present moment so that we might commune with you and your spirit in a new and real way today. Amen. So a few years ago, my brother shared with me a story with me. He was having dinner with some friends, and he was sitting next to someone he didn't know. And, um, you know, they were having conversation over the course of the meal, and um, he noticed, in the ways that you sometimes notice these things kind of in a passive way, he noticed that they're they were eye level, that their heads um, were kind of at the same height. And so, you know, they got to know one another, and as dinner ended, everyone was starting to stand up to leave, and they stood up, and it turns out that this guy was like a foot taller than my brother. And that might not be a big deal to someone else, right? This guy's legs were disproportionately longer uh, than his torso. But this is particularly devastating to my brother, who is acutely, who is painfully aware of the fact that not only is he short, his legs are shorter in proportion to his torso um, than maybe what would be average. So he's particularly sensitive to this. And so he spent, he was telling me about this, and he spent several minutes just like bemoaning the fact of his like misshapen body in his head um, and, you know, cursing his Irish and Chinese genes that do nothing to like help create a better situation for him. So... You know, that, that was one story. But then another time he actually shared with me, um, this was several years ago, about a leg-lengthening procedure he'd heard about in Russia. <laughs> it already sounds shady, right? So it takes about a year to complete, he said. And basically, it involves breaking your legs in several places over the course of the year. And then as they heal, new bone grows, right? So... You know, when he saw the look on my face, which was probably like, um, he, he said, yeah, yeah, I know, it sounds awful, but <laughs> you can add up to two inches to your leg length. <laughs> so sometimes we can drive pretty far into crazy town when we find ourselves up against some of our limitations, right? Um, but oh, how we might fight to deny their existence, Right? pouring our time and energy and emotional resources into denying or defying our limitations. Last week, as you know, we started, or if you were here last week, um, we started this new sermon series on how to get ahead of our anxieties, four ways for dealing with anxiety. And we're using this prayer that was written by Reinhold Niebuhr and made famous by Alcoholics Anonymous, known as the Serenity Prayer, as our framework for Uh, and engaging our anxiety. Serenity is the goal. That's why that's the name of our sermon series. But I'm guessing that most of us would settle for at least non-anxious. So there are a lot of reasons why people suffer from anxiety. 
And the theologian, Paul Tillich, names three sort of umbrella anxieties. The first one is the anxiety of fate and death. This is one of the most sort of basic anxieties, right? It's an anxiety rooted in the fact that we are vulnerable people, right? We could die, we could become ill, we could, as Drew talked about earlier, you know, be in a car accident. Things outside of our control can happen to us. The second anxiety comes from a sense of emptiness or meaninglessness. And this is a spiritual kind of anxiety. It's rooted in a sense of um, questions like, what should I do with my life? Where is God in this moment of deep pain? I feel alone. Those kinds of questions fall into this category. And then the third kind of anxiety comes from um, guilt and condemnation. This is the anxiety that whispers into your ear, Everyone else thinks you're a wonderful person, but you know what you did. You know who you really are. It's the anxiety that says God couldn't possibly love you. You are broken beyond repair. You feel anxious now? (laughs) For Paul Tillich, he wasn't so much interested in trying to actually make these anxieties go away, um, but rather how to check them, how to highlight a true faith and a real God a true faith and a real God that gives us the courage to live fully in the middle of everything, all of these things that try to drag us down. He says, we must have the courage to be, the courage to exist and embrace life in spite of everything that attempts to unravel us, the courage to say, screw you, anxieties, I'm going to live anyway. Because being human and being alive means existing within spaces of tension. Jesus constantly pointed sorry, something in my eye. Um, Jesus constantly pointed to this when he would say things like, "The kingdom of heaven is among you, even though he was surrounded by brokenness. The kingdom of heaven is among you, even though there are people dying on the streets, even though the systems and the um, government that we live under is oppressive and trying to take and take and take from us as much as it possibly can. The kingdom of heaven is still among you," he was saying. We live in the world we live in, and we proclaim a God who doesn't try to pretend that that's not how the world is, right? We proclaim a God who instead holds all of these tensions and says, I've got this. We've got this. We can do this. You can still move forward with joy and creativity and life, even in the middle of all of this brokenness, all of this messed upness, right? Selfish people, unbearable pain. You can still live fully. And that's what Mother Wisdom is talking about in this morning's passage. She says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths and he will keep your way straight. Don't consider yourself wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. In other words, another way to, another way to think about this is, Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because that's basically what she's saying. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. In this passage, there are three ways that she talks about checking yourself. Trust, intelligence, and fear. So what does it mean to trust in God? Are we talking about sort of like a let go and let God kind of mentality? Well, yes and no. Trusting God is actually less about a belief and more about a sense of confident hope. Less about belief, the beliefs that you have, and more about just kind of a a confident hope. 
So the Hebrew word that gets translated here as trust, benah, is a word that means a feeling of security and confidence, a sense that you are in good, reliable hands. When I was growing up, we were at the mercy of my dad to pick us up from after-school activities. My mom worked evening shifts, and so it was on him, right? And that was just too bad for us because my dad was awful at remembering to pick us up. Inevitably, we would be, and we have lots of teachers here, right? So we would be the ones who had to use the office phone to call home and remind him that he was supposed to get us. I mean, the school would be shut down. The lights would be out. The doors would be locked. And the poor teacher or secretary would be stuck sitting with us, right? Their purse in their lap, their car keys in their hands, waiting and waiting with us until a parent came to pick us up. Or finally, maybe, a teacher or a coach would give us a ride home. So we would do everything that we could to remind our dad. We would leave him notes on his car keys. We would verbally remind him in the morning. And he would always say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we knew that there was still like a 50-50 chance (laughs) about whether or not he would remember. So there was always this sense of dread, a feeling of kind of impending humiliation when we knew he'd have to pick us up. I mean, when carpools happened, other parents just gave up and like never had my dad pick us up, because their kids would be stranded too. So maybe you have some people like this in your life, right? Maybe there are some people who make promises, and you're like, yeah, we'll see. But maybe there are folks in your life who you know will be there, right? Folks who will come through even if you never asked them to. They didn't even necessarily know what was going on. You never told them, but somehow they knew and they showed up. These people put your mind at ease because you know you can count on them. You know that they, will, that they will pull through. This is the kind of trust that Mother Wisdom is talking about. It's a kind of trust that goes deeper even, actually, than that. This is not a blind faith kind of trust, but a deep down in your bones sense that God has got you covered. Deep down in your bones. And it's not just a feeling, actually. It's a trust that is rooted in experience. Maybe not your direct experience, right? But the collective experience of the community. The ones who are with you today and the ones who came before you and even the ones who will come after you. And that's a huge part of why the Bible exists, actually, right? So it's kind of like a favorite family recipe that gets passed down from generation to generation so that everyone can enjoy the good flavors, right? And maybe people add a little bit of extra, right, every, with every generation. Well, the Bible, in a way, is faith passed down. Stories of people who have experienced God's trustworthiness passed on so that the next generation can trust too. Does that make sense? So the next generation, and on and on down the line, can see how God has shown up over and over again. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we share testimony every Sunday, right? Because that's another way to do it. It helps us to see and hear how God has been experienced and understood in one another's lives. Sharing our experiences reminds us that God is trustworthy, even when it's hard to believe. That God is faithful to us, even when it's hard for us to be faithful to God. I may have shared this story once before. I had a friend who had just been going through some stuff. And um, it came time in the series, or in the series, in the, in the worship service, uh, when everyone stood up to say the Lord's Prayer, and she just couldn't bring herself to say it. And so she listened to everyone else saying the Lord's Prayer, and she said, you know, 
It was like everyone was praying for me because I just couldn't pray for myself. In a way, that's what that kind of carrying one another is. The tr collective trust, not just your own personal trust, but when you don't have enough, the community has enough for you, right? So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Got it. But then there's this other thing. Don't rely on your own intelligence or logic, which is another way that this word could be translated. You know, I often talk about how God gave us brains for a reason, to use them, right? And then something like this shows up to undermine me, right? This, but this is one of the few places, actually, in Proverbs where intelligence isn't actually accepted as just innately good. It's one of the few places where it isn't assumed that. Because here's the thing. Intelligence or logic is important. But they are not the same thing as wisdom. Intelligence and logic are important because they help you weigh things out, right? They help you make, uh, determine what is the best decision, um, what is the most efficient decision, the most logical decision. But the thing about intelligence is that, like money, intelligence is neither good nor bad all on its own. It's neutral. How you employ your intelligence, how you use your intelligence, is what determines its quality. Because the thing about our intelligence is that it is limited. We are limited in our understanding and knowledge and experience. And even more than that, intelligence does not include compassion or morals, right? You can make some pretty unintelligent decisions that are incredibly compassionate. And you can make some really compassionate decisions that are really not intelligent. <laughs> so something more has to be at play. Wisdom is intelligence plus trust. Intelligence plus trust. Wisdom is making the best, most thoughtful decision that you can, and then having faith, and then trusting that God will take it and make the most of it. But it's not even enough to be wise, because there are lots of wise people in this world who struggle with anxiety. There are lots of intelligent and faithful people who are really struggling not to drown in their fears, their fears of fate and death, struggling to stay afloat in spite of a sense of meaninglessness or emptiness, struggling to not be paralyzed by unworthiness, a sense of unworthiness or shame. And so our anxieties take shape in specific fears. Several years ago, the diaries of Mother Teresa were released. And they were a big shock to people who read them. Because as it turned out, throughout the course of her life and ministry, this woman who had dedicated her life to God by serving the lowest people of society actually continuously struggled throughout her life with feelings of emptiness and doubt. As a young woman, she had experienced a powerful encounter with God. Uh, it was so powerful that it actually led her to commit to becoming a nun. But just a few years into her ministry, she wrote in her diary, Lord my God, who am I that you should forsake me, the child of your love, and now become as the most hated one, the one you have thrown away as unwanted, unloved. I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer, no one on whom I can cling, no one. Alone, I am told God loves me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, felt abandoned by God. And this sense of emptiness and distance from God continued 
for the rest of her life. She never ex had an experience like the one that she had when she was a young woman. Maybe you find this even more depressing. <laughs> like, if she couldn't get it together, how could I, right? But personally, I find it comforting, actually. I find it encouraging even that she wasn't a hero saint. We don't need heroes. Perfect people. I find it encouraging that she regularly went through seasons of doubt and anxiety. Because the truth is that we will never be completely rid of them. We will never be completely free of anxiety. I'm sorry, maybe you came to this sermon series hoping to hear that, right? The best that we can do is manage it. To put our anxieties in their rightful place. I'm just being real. So how do we do that? How do we manage our anxieties? Well, one of the most successful treatments for anxiety and depression is what is called cognitive behavioral therapy. Maybe you've heard of it. Without going too far into it, cognitive behavioral therapy works to essentially undo the faulty thinking and destructive beliefs that we have inside of us that lead to our anxiety, overwhelming anxiety and depression. It takes the thoughts that you have in your mind. I'm stupid. I'll be alone for the rest of my life. I'm such a mess up. <laughs> no one likes me. I'm a failure. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a way of checking yourself before you wreck yourself. Instead of just accepting your destructive thoughts, you follow them down the line so they are revealed to be false. Are you really stupid? Are you really a failure? Let's, let's take this down the line, right? Instead of letting those thoughts float in and out of your mind and just keep you down, keep you down. You basically tell those thoughts that they're full of it. And as people of faith, I'd say that there's an additional dimension to cognitive behavioral therapy. When we engage our destructive thoughts and thought processes, we not only follow the logic down the line to reveal that they are toothless or unlikely or just downright a lie, we also measure it against the God that we know. We measure it against the God who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We exchange those false fears, those lies that are being whispered in our hearts and our minds for a very real and actually fearsome God. The passage says, don't consider yourself wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And I always like that phrase, fear the Lord. It always catches me. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, it means that the God we proclaim is a total badass. And I'm serious. God is a total badass. God has not only experienced the stuff that we have gone through, but God has entered the very center of our anxieties, the very center of our anxieties, fate and death, emptiness and meaningless, meaning, meaninglessness, guilt and condemnation. God has entered the very center of those anxieties and then undid them from the inside out. That doesn't mean that they disappear but it means that they no longer control you. It doesn't mean they disappear. It means they no longer control you. Don't fear those things, Mother Wisdom is saying. Don't fear your anxieties. If you need something to fear, if you want something to fixate on, to be fearful of, fear the God who set you free. Because the God who set you free, set you free so that you would be available for something bigger. God has bigger plans for you, and fear that. Fear that. God is... Not safe. No. God is not safe. God is fearsome. And God is good. And God is love. 
fear God, whose love is so fierce that she would enter the center of evil and come out with the keys to hell in one hand and an invitation for a loving relationship in the other. Fear that God, because that God will set you on a course you could never imagine for yourself. That God will set you up for a life that is beautiful and painful and joyful and scary and wonderful. That's a fearsome God. I know that this is tough. I know that it's not very satisfying for some of you who are really, really struggling to stay afloat. I know. But as Tim said last week, if you were here last week, serenity, or at least non-anxiousness, right? It's a discipline and a skill. It means practicing meditations like the examine that Tim introduced last week. It means engaging those thoughts, those destructive thoughts, those destructive patterns of behavior, and, and saying, no more. No more. You may be here. You may exist right here for the rest of my life. But you don't control me anymore. You don't control me anymore. It means facing those reoccurring thoughts that try to tear you down, not in a way that ignores the truth in them, because sometimes maybe there is a little bit of truth, right? But speaking an even greater truth to them. It means checking yourself before you wreck yourself. Over and over and over and over again. It never ends. I'm just telling you. It never ends. Not with the expectation that they will disappear, but so that they won't control you. The truth of Christianity is that God takes something ugly and death-dealing and God turns it inside out so that it is beautiful and creative. As followers of this God, we do the same thing. We deal with the world as it is. That's an organizing tactic. We deal with the world as it is, not as we'd like it to be. And we employ our trust and our intelligence all under the watchful and dangerous gaze of a good and loving God. We take the things that are ugly and death-dealing in this world, and with God's help, we turn them inside out too. We get to do that too. So that instead of destroying us, our ugly things, our compost, which involves a lot of poop, right? <laughs> our compost becomes a seedbed, a fertile seedbed, for new life that can only grow out of who we are, the experiences that we've had. And then, it was a short passage today, right? And then, then, Mother Wisdom says, then your body will be healthy. Then your bones, the structure on which your body hangs, then your bones will be strengthened. Let us close by uh, praying the serenity prayer together. Let us pray. God, grant us the serenity to first accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as we would have it, trusting that you will make all things right, if we surrender to your will so that we may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next.